All right, welcome to another episode of the Five Senses Podcast. Robert Zinni here with one of my favorite people, uh, Mickey Russ, who is a director who just released uh, last year a short film called Out to Lunch, starring Tony Tennille from Yes, Captain and Tennille. Um, she's also a great writer. She's uh, wrote a couple monologues for the last Vagina Monologue uh, piece here in Prescott. What have you been up to? Like, we worked together um, with Out to Lunch. Yes, right? my cinematography. So that's the thing. Uh, brilliant. And editor, you did editor. all the things, so many things. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So we're going to, we, like you said, we had the movie out um, before to film festivals that we had sent. And then now we're going to just go live with that. Yeah. May 1st. May 1st. So I'm excited. Me too. So um, I don't know if a lot of people know what the movie's about, but could you explain like the premise uh, about, sure. about it? So essentially the movie stars three women. Uh, two of the women are women in their 70s who are out to lunch and uh, they're at the great El Gato Azul, one of the best restaurants in Prescott, Arizona. Mm -hmm. uh, if you get a chance, go. And Barry let us shoot there. Yeah. Um, and then we had Trish, who was the server in the film. And it's basically the women exploring what feminism means and the rights that we have. And I think it's weird that we've just taken it for granted, really, that we're like, oh, we can go to college. Oh, we can go write a book. Oh, we can work outside of the home. Those things were fought for. And to, the, to that point, when I started to write the script, it was because I had overheard in another restaurant a woman kind of uh, lamenting that she hated her job and hated school. And by the way, she hated feminists. And it just blew my mind. Like, well, how do you think you got the... Because that was a thing that... Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So the women just talk about their uh, their lives. And it's about friendship. And it's about loving each other as women. Right. Yeah, it was interesting uh, working with you on the film because... If anybody has worked on a film, we spent hours upon hours editing, you know? And there's a lot of facts that I didn't know that women didn't have their rights until like the 1970s. Um, like one for one instance is uh, owning a credit card without but your husband's permission. Certain banks didn't allow that. I mean, there were, and I was told after we made the film that there were banks that did let that happen, but that that was even a, how was that a question? How did that mm -hmm. become, well, you can't, I can't buy things? Right. Like, <laughs> my God. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it was illuminating for okay. sure. So you wrote it in the perspective of two older women, right? Right. So how was that process of writing it for two older white women, mind you? Right. Right. I mean, I just feel like in this case, the race to me was sort of incidental because mm -hmm. it's an experience that we all have as women, no matter what ethnicity. Um, you know, I had a wonderful sort of uh, friend named Katie, and she's in that age group, and she's the one that told me how things were. So I just had to pick her brain. Like, how did we get from there to here? And she's like, well, back in my day, and then she told me about trying to work for the post office and that it was difficult because trying to get a promotion ahead of a man was nearly impossible. They just favored her male coworkers based largely on their genitalia, I guess. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, how is that? How did that become the... Measuring stick, if you will. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, a, you, you make a, a valid point. question. That's a good point, yeah. That does nothing to do with your no. performance, sir. But, like, now with, like, we've had the hashtag MeToo movement. I right. mean, it is 2020, mm -hmm. and they're trying to curb that uh, inequality in society. So your piece with Out to Lunch, um, I, I thought it was refreshing because you never really hear the older feminists that fought for everybody's rights now, um, their perspective. It's like, uh, I think your line was, um, they don't know what feminism is. Um, I'm paraphrasing, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was... Uh, going out in the picket lines, but then uh, 
doing a social media post or or stuff right. like that. Right. Like, well, and I was bringing up the whole. And it's fine. I realize that social media is how people are launching their careers or becoming influencers. I'm not opposed to that per se. I am opposed to people who are women who say, oh, well, I'm not a feminist and then reap those benefits. Or I'm putting out a sex tape. You want to put out a sex tape? Totally do that. But then don't say, but I'm not an empowered woman. I don't right. believe in that ideology. That is your power that you're using, your body that you made that choice to do. Now, whether I would do that or not is beside the point. Just don't put other women down or say you're not part of uh, the sisterhood, really, because of that. Right. And um, have you f seen or experienced other people who don't share those beliefs with you? Well, again, it tends to be sort of a misguided perception that they aren't feminists um, but then they have all of these perks of feminism. Like this has mm -hmm. become the new F word somehow. If you are able to get an education and you're able to start your own life and make your own choices, that is the embodiment of feminism. I don't know when it became like hairy armpit, like, you know, nothing wrong with that. But you know what I mean? Okay. There's this like renegade, violent feminazi is a word that got thrown around years yep. and years ago. Calm it down. It's just women doing their human thing. And that's an important uh, factor. Right. Could you just give a definition of feminism? Because I've um, definitely uh, experienced women that are the feminazis, but also I've um, dealt mean? with the other words. I guess that they put women over men first, or it's women first, or the future is female, or something like that. Uh, well, the future... The future is all of us together. We're all right. in this boat together, and there shouldn't be a first. It's just, in my opinion, you know, I'm not the big person to, I'm not the Webster's Dictionary of Feminism, but in my opinion, it means we are equal in what we can endeavor towards, what we can achieve, and what we can idealize. You were in the Vagina Monologues the last couple of years. You <laughs> were the hostess with the mostest this year. Thank you. So how do you see your worldview in feminism being a part of all this and you know writing out to lunch which is a commentary on feminism just that i feel free to be me or do what i want or continue to pursue creative endeavors to be able to pursue the betterment for my sister um the biggest moment of feminism in my life happened in northern california when i was i was shooting pool with a bunch of women and uh one of the women said something you know, shitty about the other woman. Mm -hmm. And then the woman came out to this other woman and said, excuse me, no, 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 no. We do not put down our sisters. We, nope. Other people do that enough for us. We are in this together and we never talk about our sisters. And I was like, I have found my people, you know, just right. be nice, just be decent. It's not that hard. No, I don't think so. And so with, with uh, the Venegina monologues, you wrote a really amazing piece this year that was funny. So I would like you to talk about the that. The Massage Homophobitron 2020. Yes, where the woman doing the monologue is a call response woman, like customer service, because somebody wants to return this machine. Right, right. Or, or get to know it better, depending mm -hmm. on, yeah, so. So what is the MGH? The MGH is a misogynistic, uh, homophobic robot in the embodiment of like uh, sort of that toxic masculinity. And I okay. hate to just use these phrases that come, you know, up, but that captures it pretty good. Okay. Like, so if you've got a dude that's just like war movies all the time and the little woman in the kitchen and I don't love that. If you love that, then you should be with that, I guess. But um, I had mm. to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, where did that inspiration come from? Like with, because in your monologue, it's hilarious because it just picks out these traits 
that are just so ridiculous in my eyes, but people embody that. Right. Well, if you have been around long enough, right, uh, you just come across to that sort of ideology, that mentality enough that you're thinking to yourself, whoa, you totally exist like that. And I'm mind blown. So you that was just a moment to be able to go, I'm going to say all the things you say normally, like, oh, she's gay. Well, it's because she hadn't had none of this. Oh, that's totally the reason. <laughs> I'm so glad you clarified, sir. Right. So it's not to put down men. But mm -hmm. if you are that guy, I'm talking about you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so where did your inspiration come from with direction with this film? I think I just had an idea of what I wanted the scenes to look like. I wanted, you know, we didn't uh, stabilize the shots. I wanted that sort of handheld movement, like you were part of the dinner taking place or the yeah. lunch, so that you were feeling like you were maybe the third person there. And um, it was very easy to work with everybody because everybody on the set was already a, a great actor, had already done lots of things at the theater or on film themselves. So. It was a very simple thing to just sort of capture mm -hmm. the uh, what was in my mind's eye. Did you find any like challenge trying to get things from your script onto the camera? I don't remember having a sense of that. I just remember panicking about like continuity for the most part because this is this was very very new to me. I had right. not directed films before, so to jump into it, having been on the other side of being directed for film or being directed for stage, then you're taking like bits of what you learned in those experiences and be like, well, this is how I should do that. And it worked out, but boy, uh, yeah, there were other things that were daunting to me. Yeah, like what, what was so like daunting? Like the sun coming into our shot and doing weird things and then I'm trying to like with the lights and I'm like, how come we're not blocking out the sun? And it turns out it's because we're not the sun. So <laughs> you can't outshine the sun. No, you cannot. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No. <laughs> yeah, that was funny, like trying to get the continuity with the colorization, right? Right, uh, right. Afterwards, because... El Gato Azul, if you've ever been in it, it, just their painting of the walls is just phenomenal. It's yeah. a really nice piece. And then when we were filming, it was like, what, 8 to 10? It was like the golden hour. We had the best golden light right. in there, lighting up the two ladies that were having lunch it there. It was beautiful. I mean, that's why I wanted to shoot there. Right. So, so how did you get legendary uh, singer-songwriter, actress, Tony Tennille, to be a part of Out to Lunch? She is a friend of a friend of mine. Okay. And so... Uh, he said to her, I have a friend, Mickey, she writes screenplays and short plays, and I had written some short plays. And then we met, and she said, why don't you write something that somebody my age can play? And I was like, I'm totally doing that this week. So you, so, wait, hold on. So you tried to prove legendary Grammy award-winning gauntlet was thrown gauntlet to Tony Tennille, okay. I was like, let me do that with you, okay? Mm -hmm. And we just, we hit it off. She's great. She's right. a wonderful person. Um, Julie Cargill came in. She's somebody I'd worked with at the theater. So mm -hmm. it was super easy to just approach her and go, would you consider playing opposite Tony Tennille in this short film I'm going to make? Everything fell into place. Deb Gallegos from Making a Scene Productions right. came in and rock starred all of our equipment because she has a studio. Who knew? So it was just like, perfect. You coming onto the scene, everything yeah. fell into place. So Tony mm -hmm. Tennille... Brilliant one. With this whole journey now, like I know during that time you were making this film, you were also writing a novel. Right. Okay. So I did that under a pen name. Okay. I'm not going to say it. Um, but it's called True Dominion or True Bradley, True Dominion. The character's name is True Bradley. She's a young lady. She's a vigilante. Okay. She's not here for your BS. And um, but she doesn't know how strong she is in the beginning and a sort of an evolution of 
her strength and coming into herself, and um, it, it was great fun to write it. So, okay. yeah. uh, so what is what is the premise of the book? It is a fantasy novel, and okay. it is about uh, a special group of people pulling her in and letting her be special with them. Okay. And in a vigilante sense. I don't want to over-describe it. Over-describe it? Okay. <laughs> uh, so when will we getting the our eyes on your book? Yeah, so I'm waiting on cover art right now, and I actually might have just gotten in touch with the artist that's going nice. to do it finally. You, you work, like, you're looking at it, and you think to yourself, oh, this this book cover might work, and then you're like, oh, maybe I want to go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. At least that's been my experience. So that's been the big holdup, and then I'm, like, in my head, like, am I just afraid of failure to put out my novel? And then the voice in my head's like, why do we have so many voices in our head? It's like we're schizophrenic. And then I answer that, and then I start again the next day. <laughs> Right. That's how the universe works sometimes. Yes. Right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, has what was the difference, or what is the difference between writing a screenplay and writing a novel? So, I found through different people giving me feedback on reading my writing that I my strength is writing character dialogue, and that I maybe could use a little more honing in um, describing a shot right for for screenplay purposes. And I would like to get better at that. Um, but I think it's easy to write a novel because you're not doing like interior, exterior shot. And you're not saying these things before the dialogue. I find that to be a blocky process okay. that um, I just need to fine tune a little bit. But I feel like I can. I did a full length screenplay. It's just hard to sell a full length screenplay. It turns out it's weird. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's called The Kitty Night Coup. Eventually, I would like to get The Kitty Night Coup done too. But mm -hmm. full length is. Much more tough. You, than, you have to get a production team, then you have to yeah. get a what a, a agent, then you have to pitch it. Yeah, whole and if you don't process. have an agent, then no one wants to talk to you. But they, but you have to. You can't just go get an agent. I mean, I'm sure mm -hmm. I'm saying this to people who know that already. But if you don't know that already, that is a big deal. It's a big deal, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what what's your motivation behind creativity? It seems it seems like you have your hand in a lot of different projects. Mm -hmm. uh, you have some things that are finished. You're working on some. So what motivates you to be creative? I think that's just my sort of therapy, honestly. Just okay. to be able to kind of immerse yourself in a world that's not yours. To look at other characters and think they have experienced some of the things I've experienced or what would it be like to be in their shoes in a situation that I can't even dream of doing? I mean, I'm dreaming of it, but you know what I mean? Something that's foreign. So getting to sort of travel the world in your mind mm -hmm. or other people's experiences within yourself is enticing to me. Yeah, why is it so enticing? It's just a release, I feel okay. like, yeah. Okay. Do you have a favorite like character perspective that you like to write about? Um, not necessarily. I don't think that I'm... I mean, I like... I guess I really do like writing about women because the Kitty Night Coup is about women. But it's like... That's like bubblegum, my Kitty Night Coup thing. It's fun. It's not supposed to be like, oh, we're changing the world and right. hey, we're taking on feminism. It's just like, hey, these girls drink a lot of beer and they're on a road trip. Let's watch. That sounds like a really good film, <laughs> yeah. actually. Like, it was, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been great catching up with you, Mickey. Uh, for those listening and watching the Five Senses podcast, look out for Out to Lunch that will be premiering May 1st. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some social media links mm -hmm. and it'll definitely be on YouTube. And again, check out Mickey Russ, uh, Black Duchess productions on instagram for more content uh go to five ensesmag.com find us on facebook or instagram